Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Since 2010, the most listened to radio show in the nonprofit sector dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to fundraising success, and practical nonprofit management advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from top experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to expert nonprofit management. Guests on the Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share their insider tips and trade secrets in a conversational style both the experienced and novice will benefit from. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on the radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to the latest edition of the Nonprofit Coach. Big show today, uh, as the announcer mentioned, uh, you can call in uh, to speak to our page two expert today, uh, which is Eric Raritan uh, from CARE2. And that number is 347-324-3080. Uh, you can also uh, tweet today at Ted Hart, and we are casting live uh, today over at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Ted Hart. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start with page one news. First up here on uh, page one news, we have Ariel Gart, uh, who is the marketing and outreach manager at GuideStar, uh, here with us for the GuideStar Minute. Welcome back, Ariel Gart. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. Ariel, give us the update of what's going on at GuideStar. Absolutely. We've got a couple of great things that I wanted to share with everybody. Um, in the last two weeks, we launched our 2018 Seal of Transparency. Um, making it even easier to find current information on nonprofit organizations um, on their GuideStar profiles. Um, so the profiles now feature these 2018 fields, which signal that nonprofits have provided current contact information, fresh financials, recent results, um, and more. So we're really excited to debut those 2018 fields, and we are encouraging all of the nonprofits on GuideStar come in and update your profiles to achieve those 2018 fields of transparency just by visiting guidestar.org slash update. Terrific. And uh, CAF America, of which, uh, as our listeners know, uh, I serve as president and CEO, is very proud to maintain uh, platinum level status uh, on GuideStar. Um, so uh, my understanding is that right now, if I'm looking correctly, uh, that are there 130,000 charities that have uh, already uh, attained some level of, of uh, uh, measure on the transparency seal? Is that correct? I believe it's about 50,000 actually. So 
Um, of all of the nonprofit charities in the United States, only 50,000 have gotten to that point where they've achieved the seal of transparency. So being one of those 50,000 is a great accomplishment and just signals your commitment to transparency um, to anyone who's interested in learning more about the work that all these nonprofits do. Terrific. And we're posting over on Facebook um, the information that you need uh, to update your GuideStar nonprofit profile and, again, hopefully to attain uh, the standard of transparency. Um, other updates from GuideStar? Absolutely. So the other thing that I wanted to share with everybody is GuideStar's um, initiative for collecting diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI, information. Um, over the last few years, it's become more apparent to us than ever that foundations are extremely interested in the diversity data from nonprofits. Um, so as a result of that, we're really increasing our efforts to collect diversity, equity, and inclusion data from nonprofits via their GuideStar profile. So um, all the nonprofits out there, when you go on to update your GuideStar profile and achieve those fields of transparency, you'll also see opportunity to include some of that diversity information um, that foundations are, are really, really interested in seeing. Um, so I also encourage everybody to visit our learn.guidestar.org DEI to learn more about kind of how we're working with nonprofits and foundations to collect more diversity information. Terrific. We're also posting that link over on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Ted Hart as well. Really terrific uh, updates. And, and of course, uh, both of those point to uh, the issue of transparency and sharing of information uh, voluntarily by nonprofit organizations. Other uh, updates uh, that you have from GuideStar? Um, no, that's it for me. Terrific. Well, we always appreciate having GuideStar represented here uh, on the Nonprofit Coach. Just to uh, remind all of our listeners that uh, in the uh, Nonprofit Coach, Six Pillars of Success for Online Nonprofit Organizations, uh, number two is completing your GuideStar uh, profile. So we hope that all of our listeners will take the opportunity to make that as a priority uh, for this year. Thank you, Ariel Gart, for being our guest here again on The Nonprofit Coach. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you. Terrific. Next up here on uh, The Nonprofit Coach, uh, still here on page one, uh, Neil Galliford is joining us from uh, Toronto. Uh, and Neil, we have uh, our annual Digital Leap Conference that uh, we co-host with you, but wow, do you have some big news about this year's Digital Leap. Bring us up to date. Yes, Ted, it's uh, fantastic. We are sold out, and we have actually been sold out for a couple of weeks now, and the conference isn't actually until April 24th, uh, but uh, we sold out last year. We've sold out this year again, so we're very happy with uh, the response we're getting to our conference. This is our ninth annual Digital Leap Conference, and, uh, you know, lots of uh, conferences, I think, sort of play games uh, with, you know, buy your tickets now, we're going to be sold out, but this is actually sold out. There's no more seats available, and as you, as you mentioned, uh, it sold out a couple of weeks ago. This is earlier than any conference I've been involved with to completely have every uh, seat, every delegate uh, uh, slot available uh, sold out. What do you attribute this uh, early success to? Well, I think, uh, you know, this is the, the only conference in Canada which is focused uh, specifically in the not-for-profit sector and the use of digital technology and communications and fundraising. And so um, it's very, uh, very 
very closely focused on the audience that we have attracted over the years, and those people find good value. Uh, we get uh, quite a few people coming back, but there's always some new people as well. If people want to know more about the content and about uh, what the day is going to look like, uh, they could go to digitalleap.org. And uh, unfortunately, they can't buy tickets, uh, but maybe next year. Um, yeah, well, and I think part, you'll uh, the site register early for, uh, for for next year. We are posting that link over at facebook.com uh, forward slash uh, Ted Hart. And uh, typically, we try to have uh, registration open by December of the year prior. So uh, I think you're right. To go and check it out. Uh, see what uh, what all the uh, the buzz is about for Digital Leap. Uh, but book, bookmark that or put a note on your calendar to register early so you can get in on next year, which will be our 10th anniversary Digital Leap Conference. That's, uh, that's a big milestone. It is a big milestone, and uh, we couldn't have got here without the help of our sponsors. And uh, I know you have Eric Redden on today, and uh, Caratu has been a, a sponsor of the, of the conference and is this year again, along with Blackbaud, uh, Deloitte, Engaging Networks, Canada, Canada Post, and some others, uh, it, it uh, allows us to keep the ticket prices down, uh, that we get support from these, uh, these terrific sponsors. So I, I want to thank them. Um, and, uh, of course, we attract some really great speakers as well. And, and I think that uh, if, if your, your audience goes over to the website, they'll see um, some pretty impressive people talking about some, some uh, important uh, and timely issues. That's, I think, uh, part of what really sets Digital Leap apart is that it is so timely. Uh, of course, that adds to the complexity of planning such a conference because uh, the use of digital technology online and offline um, is uh, always changing. Uh, and over the, the period of time of Digital Leap, we've certainly chronicled uh, some of the most important uh, activities uh, in, uh, in the use of digital technology. And as you mentioned, and thank you, uh, for giving me a, a very nice segue. Neil Galford, thank you so much for being our guest here again on The Nonprofit Coach. Our segue is over to uh, page two, uh, so let's head on over. As Neil Galford uh, just mentioned, and of course Neil is with Stephen Thomas up in Toronto, uh, Eric Raritan is our guest here over on page two. He is the Vice President of Business Development at, at Care2.com. Uh, and of course, as Neil just mentioned, uh, Care2 has been uh, an early and frequent sponsor of the Digital Leap Conference, which is, is just a tremendous success. Uh, part of that is due to the, the sponsors of organizations uh, who really know their stuff and are really, really involved uh, in digital technology like Care2. Uh, Eric has been involved with hundreds of campaigns, uh, candidates and nonprofits, helping everyone to connect with donors and supporters online. At Care2, Eric advises on donor-led acquisition and multi-channel conversion strategies. He has contributed to the integration conversion efforts on behalf of nonprofits in the United States, Canada, and the United States and over 100 other countries. Eric is a guy who really knows what he's doing when it comes to uh, digital technology, and it is my pleasure to welcome Eric Raritan here to the Nonprofit Coach. Eric, welcome. Thanks, Ted. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, our topic today, uh, of course, could not be 
uh, more timely, Lessons from the World's Largest Social Network uh, for Good. Uh, you'll be involved, uh, as uh, Neil just mentioned, on April 24th in Toronto uh, in the huge Digital Leap uh, conference. Can you believe it's already sold out? I'm, I'm not surprised at all, to be honest. It's a fantastic conference, and um, it, it, I'm never surprised to hear it's sold out. Uh, it, it, it's one of our favorites, and that's why we've sponsored it. I, I think every year, if there was any year that was missed, it was simply because we couldn't, uh, couldn't physically be there. Yeah, I think, I think you have been there every year, and it really uh, shows and is very much uh, appreciated. Uh, so let's start with the, the basics for our audience because we, we have a, such a large audience. There's going to be some folks who know about you and some uh, folks who don't. Um, but what's drawing people today is clearly the topic, lessons from the world's largest social network for good. So what makes CARE2 the world's largest social network for good? Well, we were created uh, back in 1998 uh, with, the, with the intention from our founder, Randy Painter, to create a community of people who wanted to make the world a better place. So from the outset, the idea here was to create a social network of people that wanted to do good and to help them, uh, empower them with tools and information and knowledge that they could use uh, to achieve that aim. And, um, you know, we're two weeks older than Google. Now, Google's okay. slightly larger than us. They, you know, they, they set a low bar, though. Their, their goal, their sort of mantra is don't be evil. And we, our, our goal is to be good. And it turns out there's about a $60 billion market differential uh, between not being evil and, and being good. But we're, uh, we're quite happy with being good. Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's an admirable goal, of course. Tell us about this community that you have drawn together, the social network that you have created for good. What are the numbers? Uh, as you said, you slightly uh, outdate uh, Google in terms of this community that you've brought together, but it's grown over time. So sort of tell us what kind of community are we talking about here? So this, so we're, we're nearly 50 million members right now, and we have been around, as I said, since 1998. And um, we are our community are people that are passionate about all kinds of causes and whether it's the environment or international relief or human rights animal welfare our members come to our site to engage in content around the, the causes they care about to create petitions to sign petitions and engage in the site in other ways they're they're passionate about these causes and the majority of them give to three or more nonprofits every year uh, they're, they're an extremely engaged donor audience as well as cause-focused audience, and that's what makes our partnership with non partnership with nonprofits uh, so successful. Is this is a this is a community of people who care about the work that charities and nonprofits around the world are doing, and and are and are willing to chip in to support those efforts. And what, so, 50 million people coming together. They have a variety of different interests. Um, how do you keep a community of that sort active and engaged over time? Well, there's a couple things. Part of it is uh, continually having really engaging, powerful content, and a lot of that content we produce in the, in the form of blog posts. We have several different blog channels on different topics, from healthy living to global warming to, uh, to animal welfare, et cetera. And so our members have a reason to come back because there's always fresh, interesting, highly curated content. And the other thing is that our members 
uh, are very passionate about taking action on causes, and they love to sign petitions. So they will they will come to our site. They'll sign a petition, and, and then share the fact that they've signed that petition with with other people. Usually through social these days, forty um, percent of our traffic comes from Facebook, and that's largely a result of people signing a petition and then sharing the fact that they signed that petition on Facebook or creating a petition and sharing their petition on Facebook. Anybody can create a petition on Care2. There's no cost to do that. We provide the tools and the technology to help them succeed in their campaigns. And the more we see campaigns, successful campaigns, driven by petitions, created by our members, and many, most of them, in fact, engaging around um, local issues, like trying to protect a grove of trees from a new highway that's coming through, uh, or, or getting a, a you know, rescinding a city ordinance that bans pit bulls, things like that. They, these are these are uh, campaigns that that our members are winning every day, and that sort of really fantastic feedback loop of 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 creating petitions contribute to a successful campaign uh, really gets people excited. They feel good about the fact that they can in fact make a difference, and they are able. To, to make the world a better place uh, by by creating and signing petitions is uh, is fantastic and that and that and that makes them feel great and they want to keep coming back and continuing to support other causes. So so the the, the essence of this community sounds like it's it's you know a, 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 akin to the essence of democracy that people have come to care to to understand and be able to join forces with other people. Uh, who care about great things that are happening, and you may not hear about these in the press, or you may not have a, a, an active way to make a difference. So what you're doing is bringing this capacity to, A, know that the topic exists, but right there uh, people have uh, the tools in front of them that are provided on the Care2 platform uh, to make a difference. So is, is that correct? Absolutely. In fact, I'll tell you a really quick but really awesome story. Um, in the Smithsonian Museum for American History, there is an exhibit on democracy. And within that exhibit, there is a petition that is a couple hundred years old, 150 years old. It's from, from the Civil War, and it's parchment that's rolled up, and it's got the signatures in, in ink of thousands of soldiers who signed the petition to get uh, to, to get paid uh, and to be taken care of. They were serving their country and they weren't getting paid. And so they created this petition and, and it's in this case in the museum. Right next to that is an iPad with a Care2 petition. And oh, that's great. we were approached by the Smithsonian. They were doing this exhibit on democracy and, and citizen democracy. I mean, you get to vote every, you know, every couple of years, maybe a little more frequently, depending on where you live. Um, you only get to vote for president every four years. Citizen democracy is what you do every day and how you, how you engage in your world to shape it in a way that you think will make it a better place. And petitions are, are, are a core of citizen democracy. And so it was a, just a, an incredibly tremendous uh, and exciting honor to be included in the Smithsonian. Uh, but we're not just history. We're the future as well. Part of the reason uh, that we created the petition platform is You'll remember back when email was first starting out in the 90s, people would forward these chain emails and ask you to sign it at the bottom and then forward it to somebody else. And 
and they just kept going around and around and spinning and and half of them were fake and who knows so you know it was our, our founder Randy Painter said there's there's a better way to create a petition online we can do that and you know next thing you know we we had that petition uh, tool available online since then there have been around 700 million petition signatures on 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 our platform so and, and hundreds of thousands of petitions created by, by our members. And then of course, with the nonprofits that we work with and that that's super exciting. I, when I started at care two, we had, we just breached the 6 million member mark and now we're at 46 million member members. And, and I'm looking forward to the day, hopefully this year or early next when we have a billion petition signatures on care two. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting when you go to care com. of course we've, uh, posted the link over at facebook.com forward slash Ted Hart uh, so you can follow along. Uh, you can literally see as people are signing uh, petitions, and as you said, the 716 uh, million petition signatures so far, uh, but I can literally see people signing right this minute. There's been 370, almost 372,000 petitions uh, created, but the, the feedback is wonderful. When you come to, to the site, uh, you not only see sort of the, the topics that are trending, the, the folks that have created uh, petitions that matter, that, that if you care about them, you can just scroll through and add your name to things that really uh, matter uh, to you. Uh, but you also uh, list success stories where, uh, you know, as you're saying, uh, Versace goes for free, and part of that uh, was a petition right here on, uh, on CARE2. Uh, the UK uh, is banning wild animals in circuses, uh, a care to uh, uh, petition that was signed uh, for that. So, so again, people, I, I, think, I think it's beautiful to sort of put this tagline of sort of citizen democracy in action because it's happening right now. It's happening today. It's not just, oh, I have to wait for some politician to give me the pitch or uh, I have to wait for the ballot box, uh, but I can make a difference today. Uh, and I'm doing that in a combined effort with, with other people. So I want to take a, a very quick break, uh, Eric. And when, when we come back, I want to put this in the context for our listeners. Our listeners, again, uh, are nonprofit executives. They're fundraising professionals. Uh, they're organizations who, in their own way, are uh, uh, leading the, the charge for citizen democracy by uh, bringing topics every single day and doing the action that's on the, the back side of these petitions. So, you know, there's a petition that, that draws attention to a topic, but then somebody's doing the work to actually uh, make sure that uh, those that can make a difference uh, know about that petition. And so we're going to uh, take a very quick break. When we come back, we're going to turn our attention to uh, how our listeners can utilize this tool, can wield this tool uh, from the, the world's largest social network for good. Uh, to do good for your nonprofit organization, and we'll be right back. Have you ever wished you could take back an email you sent to the wrong person? Or have that nagging feeling that your confidential message was forwarded without your consent? Do you sometimes email sensitive data even though you know most email is insecure? And we all have, because we're busy. And because in the world of email, there are no takebacks. Until now. Introducing Virtue, 
the simple way to send and receive secure email with confidence. Virtue is easy to install and use, and it works with your favorite email programs like Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, MacMail, and more. When you hit the Send Secure button, your email is encrypted before it leaves your computer or smartphone. And even better, you can revoke a message at any time. You decide whether a message can be forwarded by recipients. You can track where your message is forwarded and more. Download Virtue today and start sharing with confidence. Because everyone deserves digital privacy and security without hassle. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live with Eric Raritan, who is the Vice President of Business Development uh, at CARE2 here on the, the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, so, Eric, before we uh, took that break, um, we were talking about the essence of uh, why uh, CARE2 is a social network for good, uh, how it has become the world's largest. Uh, but how does this tool work? I see on your platform there are 2,750 nonprofit partners who are actively using the CARE2 network. What does that mean? So we work with nonprofits to help them do two things, to help them win their campaigns or at least support their campaigns and also to recruit supporters uh, for, for the organization and these individuals who might go on to become donors, volunteers, et cetera. So I started out as a customer of Care2s. So I was one of the first hundred or so customers when I used to run environmental campaigns. And I reached out to Care2. We had a, we had a, a piece of legislation, federal legislation we were trying to pass, and we needed some help to get um, emails to Congress to support our campaign. When we're partnering with a nonprofit, if they're targeting Congress, we can set it up so that every time somebody signs that, that petition, it sends an email to that individual's member of Congress and or senators. And if we're targeting another entity, whether it's a, you know, a, a federal agency or, or a corporation, we can similarly trigger emails each time somebody signs so that, you know, the, the petition isn't happening in just, just over on our website. We're telling policymakers and corporations and others, these people are very concerned about this topic and, and, and you should be aware of that and, and hopefully support, if it's in the case of legislation, support passage of this legislation. Uh, CARE 2 was a big part of our win. It was one of the few environmental bills, environmental laws that was strengthened uh, under the Bush presidency. And CARE 2 helped by helping us generate tens of thousands of emails to the Hill. In, in the process. That's, I was just going to say that, that's very, very impressive. And I'm not sure that everyone necessarily knows that about CARE 2 in terms of, you know, there, there's, there's a difference between signing. Uh, a petition that might get delivered at some point to sort of that immediate uh, connecting with uh, a legislator who is your representative. So tell us, if you could, if you don't mind just my jumping in, just what's the difference and why, why is that more powerful? Well, because we have to rely on, if we weren't sending emails um, from constituents saying, hi, I'm, I'm, I vote in your district and I care about this issue, and, and instead the petition was living entirely on CARE2, 
that policymaker might never find out that their constituents care about this issue. So that that's that that's the the a, a way of not only getting people to express how they feel about an issue, but also make the the people they're trying to influence aware of of, of what they've done. Um, and there are other other options. So we don't we don't see petitions in a vacuum. We we see them, and as a, a former campaigner, um, I see them as as a, as a critical tactic that fits into a whole suite of tactics for campaigning. And so what I would often do is I would, uh, we, with these petitions, we would have each signature, each, each signer, we would format it as an individual letter so that we could d- go on to Capitol Hill and hand deliver to some members of Congress. We might deliver 200 letters that were generated through this petition, and we would say to them, you know, th- these, these are people in your district. They signed this petition on CARE 2. Here's the body of the letter that the petition is you know is based on and here's the name and address of your constituent who it wants you to support this legislation so getting it from from our platform into the hands of policymakers is you know it is is really powerful and, and really important to get their attention similarly they're great for press when if you want to raise uh, get the attention of MPs or or senators or corporations and you get 300,000 signatures on a petition, and then you hold a press conference, and you, you invite the press to come and see you delivering these hundreds of thousands of petition signatures to the intended target, um, you know, the press love it because it's, it's a good story, and it's, it's a very sort of, these people care, they took action, they've put the, this target on notice. Um, it's a great story, and, the, the, and, and very often policymakers have actually said to us, um, or to me in my campaigning past, if you can show me support, that will give me backing to support what you want. If you can't show that someone from my district cares, then then it's hard for me to justify getting involved. There's so many other things to be involved in. So so well, linking the, the signer to the policymaker is interest, right? For sure. I mean, there's so many interests and different sides to the story. Any legislator is trying to judge, well, where is the balance of, of the public? And this is a, a way, again, for, you know, the, the citizen democracy to have a voice, whereas I think the average person feels like, well, I don't really have a voice. This is one way you have a voice, right? Exactly. And, and, and it's, it's one way of cutting through all that noise because, there, as you said, there are so many interests, so many things that people want policymakers to pay attention to. And there's a finite amount of attention to, to be shared. So uh, it, it, this is one way of sort of cutting through that noise. The, the, the other part of this in terms of how we support nonprofits is when somebody signs a petition for one of our nonprofit partners, we will ask them to sign up for that organization's email list. And um, if, they, if they agree to that, then the organization has the permission to contact that person via email. We provide their name and their postal address as well. Um, in you know in a very transparent way where we say are you happy to, to to be contacted by this organization? So a lot of organizations have, have will come to us and say, you know here's here's the campaign that we're working on, and and this is this is our goal on the advocacy front, but also we would like to recruit 10,000 people that we can add to our supporter base, or maybe 100,000, or maybe more. And, and, and that's so, – so then the, the, the charities will then build a relationship with those 
Care 2 supporters that they've recruited, ask them to volunteer, participate in their peer-to-peer events, donate online, donate in the mail or over the phone and become regular givers, uh, however, however the charity operates. So this is a source of people that are very warm prospects in addition to being passionate about their cause. And, and that, so that, that's a lot, of, a lot of the value to the nonprofits. We're not only, if they do campaigns, we're supporting the campaign. We're also helping build their capacity. And we also work with organizations that don't do campaigns. Sometimes instead of a pledge, we'll have a, uh, instead of a petition, we'll have a pledge where we'll uh, um, ask somebody to sign a pledge to, um, to prevent plastic pollution by giving up straws, uh, plastic straws, something like that. So there are other ways of people engaging Using a similar process, not not quite within that citizen democracy um, sort of construct, but more within sort of a, a public education, public involvement, um, behavioral change sort of process, which which can also be very effective. Mm-hmm. So there's sort of different levels of engagement that the the uh, the folks who are on the the Care Two uh, uh, platform. So uh, you, you've got uh, uh, right now, uh, you know, 45 million uh, active users, um, and so they can just sign a petition if they want to sign a petition uh, for those causes that they want to go. Sort of the next step, they can also make a contribution and become directly involved with the charity that is, uh, you know, sponsoring or posting uh, that petition. Uh, there's also uh, something called rewards. What are the butterfly rewards? Why butterfly rewards? And what do they do? Oh, they're fun. Um, so think of them as frequent flyer miles for Care2. Um, our members can earn butterfly rewards by watching certain videos, by commenting on, on blog posts, enga- and, and engaging in, on Care2 in a variety of ways. Um, you know, if they, they do various things on Care2, they earn rewards. And the butterfly rewards, and then they can redeem those for a sort of um, charitable in, uh, efforts. So, for instance, I, I um, was, until recently was on the board of Humane Farm Animal Care, and they're one of the butterfly rewards. They're part of the program. So if, if somebody redeems, I believe it's 200 butterfly points, that that is enough to to help um, help a, a farm animal live a humane a more humane life, and what humane farm animal care does is they they certify farmers as you know and 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 and, and producers as doing what they do in a, in in as humane a way as possible, and so the person on care two earns the points, then they redeem the points, and and that redemption results in an aggregation in a donation to um, to a charity partner, and we have, I think, about 20 charity partners right now. That's great. Well, there's, uh, uh, I can see here, uh, nearly 1.5 million butterfly credits uh, that have offset uh, carbon, uh, pounds of carbon offset. Uh, you've also got a million days of safe water given. Uh, you, as, as you were mentioning, uh, 583,000 uh, points helped a farm animal. Uh, so th- this is just a, a, an incredible way for people, again, who want to do good. You can sign petition. You can earn credits. You can offset or, you know, you've got 630. I mean, this, is a, this is incredible, Eric, 639,000 
trees have been planted uh, because of the community uh, care too. So again, this is a, a caring community who wants to make a difference. Uh, do you have a, do you have a, a, any sense of uh, uh, of all of the petitions and all of your members who have then gone on to make a contribution to charities? Uh, how many dollars have been raised uh, for for uh, uh, the various causes that are supported? I don't have the number at my at my fingertips, but I know it's tens of millions of dollars. That's incredible. So it, in addition to you know, trees planted and animals saved and uh, water cleaned, um, there are millions, uh, tens of millions of dollars have, have been raised uh, on, uh, on this platform. Again, back to our topic of lessons from the world's largest social network uh, for good. So Eric, let's, um, uh, if you don't mind, turn our attention to uh, what really works. Okay, so we've got our listeners today. They wanna learn lessons uh, from Care2, from the world's largest social network. Um, you've been at this uh, longer than Google has been alive. Uh, so what have you learned over time that works? And what worked back then, does it still work now? Has, has the community changed over time? Yeah, those are, those are great questions. I, I think, so, so there's sort of two levels of it. One is behavioral and one is technological. And, and on the behavioral front, what works is authenticity and, and, and communication. So um, the reason our members keep coming back to CARE2 is we try really hard to, to tell them about petitions that are legitimate, that have a, have a real opportunity to, to be successful. Um, you know, not every petition that's been created on CARE2 has been that. I mean, there have been some Justin Bieber petitions, et cetera, but the petitions that we're promoting to our members and the petitions that we're working with our partners on we try and make them as, as authentic as possible. Um, and then this whole feedback loop, as you were mentioning on, on the homepage, we have success stories. And it is so, that, that proof is so critical to the entire effort. If people see that you can actually help, use a petition to help win a campaign, they're, they're more likely to believe in it. And because it, we believe that they should be believed in, um, that's, that's critical. Um, so making sure that people see the impact that you're making, making sure that you're that 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 uh, we're communicating with our supporters in an authentic way, those are those are hugely critical. The the things that have shifted over time, there there have been uh, quite a few, and one of the things that we're really focusing on right now, and it's there are actually three themes in um, our digital outlook report that that you saw that we just put out with HAC and the Resource Alliance and N10, the, 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 we're seeing a real shift right now around, um, there's, a, there's a big shift on mob, to mobile across the board. So, and, and I'm not talking SMS, I'm talking people surfing the web or hanging out on Facebook or signing the petitions on their iPad or on their smartphone. And, and this shift to mobile has been dramatic something like 80% of the time spent on Facebook is now being spent using a mobile device instead of a desktop. So why mm -hmm. should charities care about this? Lots of charities have not gotten fully optimized for mobile. Their, their, their websites, if somebody goes there on a, to their website on a smartphone, it, it's not necessarily a, a, an easy experience if you're trying to make a donation. 
and and there's there's sort of a, a lag there and so it, we think it's really critical because we're not going to stop people from moving to mobile devices people are starting to give up even laptops and go exclusive business people um, some of them are starting to go exclusively to to tablets so mm-hmm. that 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 is going to happen and so we so it's really critical for for nonprofits to make sure that it's really easy for people to donate via, you know, using using their mobile device. And there there are tools out there that are evolving. Having a responsive website is key. That that's a really big deal. And we've been through this in part because we had to make sure that our that all of our emails and our and our uh, petition templates and everything were mobile responsive as well. And we've um, we've been investing in that with great intention for about five years, continuing to, continuing to optimize that. Uh, so that's, that's a really big deal. Um, and another thing that's really interesting is where, you know, obviously until 2005 or so, there wasn't, weren't social networks except Care2, MySpace, and Friendster. We all, we all predated uh, Facebook. Facebook comes along and, you know, everybody wants to be in the same place. That's great. Um, what, what has happened is as social networks have grown and, and people are spending more and more time on social networks, they, that's where they tend to share things versus and tend, to enga- and, and tend to engage with things versus with email. On the other hand, email is the only thing that you can push or the, the, the most used, most universally used thing that you can push into somebody's uh, the, their desk or desktop or their, their mobile device. So what we've really been seeing is, is, a, is a powerful force of integrating social and email communication as part of a multi-channel strategy that in, in our ideal world also includes direct mail, telephone fundraising, uh, you know, in addition to, to email and, and social. And we think that social is a really good way to, to cultivate supporters so that when you do send through an appeal regardless of channel, they're going to be more likely to respond because you're more top of mind. So that's a really big trend as well. And part of it, uh, just to let our, our listeners know, uh, we have posted uh, the link to the 2018 Digital Outlook uh, report over at facebook.com forward slash Ted Hart. Um, it, it, this, is an, uh, this is an extensive report that provides um, uh, a lot of information regarding uh, the the use of technology, but you you were just mentioning this uh, this mobile optimization. Are you saying for our listeners um, today that that that's where you also place the biggest concern for most nonprofits in terms of their capacity to compete, their capacity? Uh, because I, I you know we've been at this uh, you know you, you you folks predate uh, Google as as you are aware. I was the founder of the E Philanthropy Foundation in 2000. Um, so we're, we're now 18 years later um, in terms of nonprofits engaging and really starting to understand that, you know, you need to have a website, you need to be able to communicate electronically, you need to um, uh, now you're, you know, you need to be uh, very active with mobile. But in your report, you're identifying that, you know, a lot of charities are concerned about this because they lack internal capacity, they lack budget, they lack resources. This is no longer sort of a nice to have. Maybe we'll get to it next year, sort of thing, is it? Absolutely not. And it, yeah, it's not a 
you know, oh, let's be, you know, let's be cutting edge and crazy and get mobile. It's this is where this is where people are. The the and the rates of donor acquisition um, are declining. So if you if if people are going to be able to continue to get new donors, and part of that is going to be through a digital channel, then they need to make sure that it's really really easy for people to make donate donations to their charity using a mobile device. If it's hard to make a donation to Charity A and somebody abandons, either they're not going to give or they're going to go to Charity B. And if it's easy on Charity B, Charity B gets the gift. So it's it, it's critical. People are spending so much more time on their mobile devices, and you can't count on them to to get an email from you, see it on their on their smartphone, and then wait till they get home and remember to go and check their email online and then and then click through and, and make a gift. It's it's just it, it just can't it can't can't happen. We've got to we've yeah, got to catch up. Exactly. So so okay. I, I'm I'm a listener. I listen to the show today. I now I've got it. I understand. I I need to do this. But then I start working with a provider who is just all over the place and throwing lots of things at me and asking for lots of money, which of course we don't have. What's my best bang for the buck in terms of getting started? Uh, is it that mobile responsive uh, uh, website, the mobile site, is that where I should be putting my emphasis? Is it text to give? Um, is it, do, I, do I have to have my own app? Will anybody download my app? So where, where's sort of the, I know I should have done this yesterday, but I didn't. So where do I go first? First, I would I would focus on on making your your website mobile responsive. Uh, I I would I would do that first. I wouldn't create an app and if you don't already have a, a, a SMS text program, um, then it's kind of tough to start from scratch. And um, we we know that websites are going to be around a long time. SMS is a little less certain. Um, you know, we always, I, I never predict the demise of any channel or tool because I've been predicting a lot of demise for a long time. Um, and I'm not, I'm not interested in that, but, um, that so a mobile responsive website is actually probably going to also perform better on desktop as well. Um, we've, we actually started once we developed our email templates to, to really look good in mobile we use them exclusively and, and got rid of the old templates that, that might have had more room and more space uh, for and be fine on a desktop. We just, we just went to mobile. So I, I would really start there. So, yeah, you're saying 70% in your survey have a responsive design in place. Only 19% uh, have a, a mobile app. Um, if I'm getting pressured on the mobile app side, What's my response to that? That that's not required. That's not necessary. Or is that a next step? What 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 is the next step beyond? Okay, I've got the responsive mobile site. Um, is it content at that point, or is it more technology? Um, I can think of reasons for for an organization to have an app, but I can't think of a relate reason for any and every organization to have an app. So you would really it would have to be driven by a strategy. You know, do you have something people can engage in every day um, that 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 they will enjoy doing that will actually motivate them to download? So if so, there there might be 
some cool some cool apps that are games that sort of gamifying how you the you know how, how you recycle or track your recycling or track your steps or things like that um i can see reasons but i, I certainly wouldn't do it because it can be done i would i would do it because it, it really fulfills a strategic need for the organization i would the next thing i would actually focus on is 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 email deliverability uh email deliverability okay. is is huge and um and it's really gotten much more complex the you know gmail yahoo um uh microsoft's various mail products they they have gotten more and more stringent and and more sensitive um, to around, around email, big email lists and it, it having good email deliverability is is really critical and there's some 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 easy steps that can 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 be taken to to improve that one is to make sure you're tracking it first and 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 monitoring your deliverability but part of it is. If you have, if people have have stopped opening an email, and and you continue to email them for years, at some point there's a risk that that email address, because Yahoo or Gmail, one of these email addresses can be um, recouped by the email provider, and they can turn them into spam traps. And it yeah. so so it, it might be that you're now emailing a spam trap that 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 they are then tracking and they, they know that you're not um, maintaining good list hygiene. So we, we, we're very aggressive. If somebody is inactive for more than six months, we stop mailing them. We also use a third-party uh, uh, partner to validate, verify our, our new email addresses real-time when somebody is added to, to joins the Care2 community. We make sure that the email address is valid and that it's not toxic, it's not a spam trap, et cetera, um, and that it's a real email address. So we, we do we have our internal uh, processes to, to track that, and we also have uh, we also have uh, this third party partner who helps keep you know helps get rid of bad emails as well. It's it's a it's a really big deal, and it's an organization that raises, you know, 20 million a year online gets shut down around the holidays in the fourth quarter and they can't send email, that could cost them millions and millions of dollars. And for smaller organizations, right. like it, you know, if they're losing $100,000, that that might be a tremendously big deal for for a small organization. So that's a super big deal. We did our CTO and our CEO last fall wrote a a uh, 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 an ebook on email deliverability that has some, some really good advice in there. And, you know, we've, we send a huge amount of email. We're a very, very large organization. We have newsletters around different content and we just send a lot of emails. So we have to make sure that, that we're, that we have the best email reputation possible to, to these uh, companies like you know, Gmail and so forth. And, and we invest, a lot in that, and we've learned a lot of lessons, and so we basically put all those lessons into that ebook, and and I think it's it's super useful and, and and well worth some time, because if you can't get into somebody's inbox, then there's no button, no link for them to click on to go to your mobily responsive website to make a donation. And you're referring to the new rules for email deliverability, which we will post over 
uh, Facebook as well. So in, in the, the, the time uh, that, uh, that, that we have remaining, we've got about eight minutes, I just want to sort of finish this list that, that you started. Uh, so number one is design mobile responsive website. Number two is email deliverability strategy and tracking, and we're going to post the, the link to the ebook. Number three is maintain good list hygiene. Uh, what's uh, step number four? What do you do after you've completed those three things? You know, one of, and this might actually be step one. It's a, it's a feedback, you know, it's a sort of a virtuous loop here, but, but being able to see how, you know, how people are coming to your donation pages, having good analytics okay. in place is, is huge. So that way you can tell how many people are clicking through because they found you through search and, and you did a good job on either search engine optimization or search engine marketing and they click through and made a gift. You want to know, and you want to know if they're coming through Google or Bing or some other search engine. Um, but also, you want to know, um, th th there's an element of, are they, one, are they coming to the site and bouncing? And, and you, there's a way of telling, all right, are, if everybody is com that comes via a mobile device comes to your donation page and doesn't complete a gift, then you know there's an mm -hmm. issue that you need to focus on. If so they're that, coming... Um is that, mo is that mostly, so review analytics, understand how people uh, find you. Um, is, that, is that mostly Google Analytics is the answer there? I, I think, yeah, that, that, that's a lot of it. Um, it's, it's, you know, it, it, it's free, although there's paid, paid options, and it's, and it's pretty universal, and, and, and that seems to be really the, the, you know, the biggest tool out there. There are, are other tools that somebody might invest in if they're, again, if they're raising you know, hundreds of thousands or more online, and they probably hopefully already have some, some good analytics in place anyway. Um, but if not, start with Google Analytics for sure. And the, okay. the and related go, to that, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, well, let, let me, I just want so I reordered this. So number one is review analytics, understand how people find you, Google Analytics. Number two is design mobile responsive website. Number three is email deliverability strategy and tracking. Number four is maintain good list hygiene. Stop emailing after six months of no interaction. Uh, and number five, let's round this out to five. Uh, what do you do after you've done all of that? What's sort of the next, you know, thing that our listeners should be doing? You know, so, so related to all of these, another big thing that we focus on and that we know is a really big challenge out there with our partners is, is around attribution. And, you know, Ted, you know from, from being in the biz for a while, it was hard enough to, to manage attribution between, you know, just your website and direct mail and, and telephone and trying to integrate those. But now you also have people coming through, uh, you know, through, through different social sites like Facebook, et cetera. And, and figuring out your ad as well as your analytics tells you where to invest in, you know, in, 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 in the best way to grow your capacity. If you're getting a ton of people in through search, Whatever comes through social and actually makes a gift, uh, and, and there's and there's you haven't maxed out search. You, I would keep doing what you're doing, um, but you know it, it, it's if you know if you're able to track. All right, we recruited this person via Care Two. They signed up for our email list. Then we engaged them through not only emails and direct mail and phones, but also through uh, Facebook ads and they happen to click through on a Facebook ad and make a gift, 
you need to know both pieces. You need to know that they came through Facebook to make the gift, but you also know, need to know where the relationship started. Because uh-huh. if you don't know that, you might just keep buying Facebook ads but not targeting the people that, that, that are most likely to give. Um, so, and, and it may be that they clicked on a Facebook ad because they had also just brought in the mail and there was a direct mail appeal. So really getting the attribution uh, piece so nailed down. So number five would be attribution, uh, know where the relationship starts, build on what is working. And part of what you're saying there is, you're doing stuff, but do you even know what's working? Do you know uh, the donors that you already have, the folks that you're communicating with? Do you know Do you know enough about your own folks, let alone going out and finding lots of folks who don't know you? It, it, exactly. That's I couldn't have said it better. Okay, terrific. Well, we're posting uh, those five uh, excellent tips that Eric has given us uh, over on. Uh, Facebook uh, uh, today. Uh, Eric, we've got just three minutes left, so please, uh, we've covered so much today, and we definitely have gotten lessons from the world's largest social network for good. Uh, Would you uh, please just wrap us up and make sure that our listeners know how they can reach you? Oh, sure. Um, Ted, it was a pleasure to to be on, and I've been been with Care2 for 11 and a half years, and before that was, was a customer for you know, almost the length of time Care2 has been around. So, so I'm a huge fan. If, if organizations are, you know, they're looking for a place to create a petition where they can find supporters and, and, and that's their goal, Care2 is a great place to go. If they're looking for a, a, a way to recruit multi-channel donor leads online, Care2 can, can absolutely help them. If they're looking for good advice, on, on how to really optimize their, their online program and integrate it with their other channels of fundraising. We've got an incredible team here that, that that's what they do, and it's, and it's built into our service. And we have people with, you know, with, with decades of fundraising and, and advocacy experience. It's a really exciting place to be. If people want to know more about how they can partner with Care2, they can email me at eric r at care2team.com. That's E-R-I-C-R at care2, the number two, T-E-A-M dot com. And, and I'd love to hear from folks, answer any questions, and, and of course, let them know what we, can, what, what we might be able to do to, to support their efforts. Eric, you have uh, been extremely helpful today, very precise in your strategy Uh, And I know that our listeners are going to be much smarter as they put their strategy together uh, because of the lessons that they've learned uh, from us today. So, Eric, thank you for being my guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. My pleasure. Thanks, Ted. You've been listening to The Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcasts at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach.